0: You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash First Paw Media. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome, everybody. This
1: is Robert, and I am joined by my co-host, Tony, and we are doing the Copper Basin 300 Race Recap. Tony, it was an exciting weekend. Lots to talk about in these very brief episodes. What can you tell us about the finishers? Because... As we're recording this, and probably before this is uploaded and rocking and rolling, they will still be doing the banquets. So we don't have the awards, but we know who came in where. What can you tell us?
2: Sure. So it was a really competitive field. Um, The Copper Basin is known for being quite cold. And this year, it was a balmy negative 20 to start out the race. So that was super exciting for everyone involved, especially the handlers and the volunteers who aren't necessarily running along a dog sled with dogs to keep warm. So with the, the finishers, uh, we had six scratches which I think is pretty small for this race. I'd have to really look back, but I know in years past, especially those cold races, a lot of people bow out, especially when they get to the halfway point where it's like negative 70 by the time they get there. But uh, as we predicted, Nick Petit was the, the, the first finisher, uh, followed very quickly by Brent Sass. Nick and Brent battled it out for most of the race jesse holmes came in third and he actually picked off quite a few teams to get to third so everyone who was thinking that he might take it easy to just get back into the swing of things after being injured for most of the training season if that's him taking it easy watch out for the rest of the season once he gets going Uh, and to round out the top five we have matt hall who posted today that he had been hoping to go up one or two placements, not down. He's been third quite consistently lately, and he was hoping to go up, but he, as he said today, it just means he has more room for improvement next year. And to round out top five was our top rookie. She's out of Dallas Seaves Kennel, and she's from Norway originally, and this was her first race in what dallas was calling like an open style racing um she's raced with eight dog teams before never with 12 and certainly not for 300 miles so heta Mosle um or Mosleth, i'm not really sure how to pronounce her last name she came in fifth with a very strong looking dog team and that wasn't even the quote-unquote a team from that kennel so it was a very exciting race she battled paige drobny for that fifth place spot um just a really well run race all the way through
1: and you had another story uh about one of the mushers what can you tell us
2: sure so uh back at kind of the back of the pack justin olness i believe is how you pronounce his last name he is from rerun kennels, and that's a really interesting story because he did finish with all 12 dogs, which most teams, they did return or you know leave a couple dogs with their handlers in the different checkpoints. But Justin made it to the finish line with the entire string that he started with, and his kennel, his dog team, was made up of 50% sled dogs that came out of the animal shelters. So that's a pretty big feat. Very exciting, I think, because these are what are considered cast-offs, quote-unquote, from different either recreational teams or maybe somehow even race teams. I think I saw Brenda Mackey say that, you know, one of their dogs that they had sold off as A young dog somehow made it into a shelter and is now on Justin's team, and she was surprised because she didn't even know that that was how that dog story ended up. So it's a really exciting, something we don't normally see. I think we've heard of a couple of other mushers. Lance Mackey, of course, used to tell the story of when he got back into dog mushing, he went to you know just found any quote-unquote throwaways he could and cobbled together a team. And Justin seems to be following
1: in that uh, that trail. Yeah, I, I really like to see that because it's really giving those guys, those dogs, the uh, the second chance. And you know, on this show, Tony, we always like to root for the underdog, and that is the true underdog because they are the castoffs, as you said. And to be able to do that, and to finish with all those dogs after a exactly. really tough. 300-mile race. I don't care what the temperature is. 300 miles is 300 (laughs) miles. And for folks listening, just think about how far 300 miles is from where you're listening right now. And then imagine doing that with little to no sleep, with a dog team, in the middle of winter, with all sorts of obstacles in your way, and what it would take to do something like that. Even a 300-mile road trip with all the snacks, podcasts, (laughs) <laughs> whatever is still a long time on the road. So just imagine doing that on a dog sled with all of those um, all of those obstacles in your way. I have a uh, a question that we want to I want to talk about for a second, but any other race updates with this?
2: Uh, No, you know, those were the two stories that really stood out to me. And I do want to also bring up with the the story on Justin. There's a lot of mushers, especially recreational mushers, chiming in, going, look, you know, everybody's talking about bloodlines and the better breeding programs and all of that. And yet here's this guy who's got at least 50% of shelter dogs running this race. And he finished with all of them, whereas all of those breeding programs, each one of them had one or two dogs that had to be left with the handlers that couldn't make it that 300 miles. So I just wanted to give another shout out to Justin because that is, that's a huge feat. Just like we celebrate Dan Kadouche and um, Jesse Royer when they finished strong with all of their dogs at the end of the Iditarod, this is just as big a feat.
1: So Tony, I want to do a little bit of behind-the-scenes, nuts-and-bolts stuff. And for folks that listen to our podcast, you know I'm kind of a a geek with that kind of stuff. And I'm looking right now, and I've watched all weekend, uh, the photos from the Copper Basin 300. And I know Whitney McLarnan, I believe is how you say her name, is an expert photographer with sled dogs. And I know that you're... Considered a professional photographer, too. So I have a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind, about capturing just these amazing photos that she got during this weekend. Are you ready? Sure. So I'm looking through these photos on the Copper Base. And, of course, there's all sorts of action shots at the finish and at the start and, and all of that. Great finishing photos with, with, you know, with the top teams, you know, bowing down in front of the dogs and all of that. But as I scroll through and guys, you can check these out over on the Copper Basin, uh, sled, Copper Basin 300 sled dog race on Facebook. And I'm looking through these Tony and I'm looking at the action shots or the landscape shots. How in the world are you guys able to capture some of these amazing photos? Can you give us a little bit of a rundown? Maybe where you stand, what lenses you use, what's you know in your toolkit that makes these miraculous sled dog photos so majestic? Uh, well,
2: the great Jeff Schultz always says f eight and be there, and if you don't understand photography lingo, then that probably means very little. Um, But, you know, a lot of it, as far as how you get the amazing shots, it's a lot of luck because you're talking about having to have the perfect lighting, having to be able to get to the spot that creates that um, angle and whatnot. But looking at some of the behind the scenes pictures that the Copper Basin, shared earlier this week they did catch a couple of Whitney she's laying on her stomach grabbing some of these shots and I'm sure that she's either sitting on top of her truck or she's uh, somehow climbed on a snow berm or something to get the shots that are looking down uh, on those river shots or you know whatever looks a little more Uh, aerial-esque. It's one of those things where I think Whitney has been on that trail long enough that she knows where exactly she wants to go. She has the picture in her mind and she just waits for the dog team to show up. It's a very difficult challenge uh, to not only get the shots of every team, every bit of action to make sure that you're getting the front of the pack, the back of the pack, the middle of the pack, but also to keep that creativity flowing and getting those magic shots. They don't, it, for every one of those shots, I guarantee she's got at least a dozen that she's not happy with of that same location, um, because it does. It, 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 it There are so many things that go in and, and involved with that, and she's much better at it than I am. I'm so glad that the Copper Basin asked her to start doing that a few years ago. I got the call for it, and I went, you know, if I can get somebody to drive me up there, sure, and I never got that and they got Whitney instead and she's much better at it this is more her home base um, so she's very familiar with the teams, the locations um, and the people that can get her out on the trail that's the big thing is just being able to get out there you have to either really know the area to snow machine out yourself or have somebody willing to do that for you all weekend.
1: Uh, a couple of more quick questions before we run out of time. First off, let's give some props to her. She is at mushingphotos.com, and we're going to put that in the show notes as well. Uh, my, my next question is, what about lens for this? What is she using, do you think, uh, for these action shots? Is it a pretty uh, big focal lens, or is it, you know, like a 70-300 a or what?
2: You know, I'm looking, and it looks like she shoots Nikon. So now I, I might have to backtrack a little bit because Canon is clearly the better option here, Whitney. What the heck? But I'm looking at her camera right now, and she does seem to have a zoom lens. I'm not sure if we're looking at something like a like 24 to 200 so that she can go those distances. Or if she's like me, I try to take two cameras, one with the zoom lens and one with a wide angle lens, if I can manage it um, and then just shoot back and forth that way. You'll see that a lot at like football games and stuff where the, you've got these guys that have cameras hanging all over them. And it's just so much easier than trying to decide what lens is going to work. You, you just have both and you shoot on the fly. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm looking at it. She's definitely, she definitely has a long, uh, lens, but I think she may also be either she's staying way far back to try and get some of these shots, or she's got a wide angle. She's got to have a wide angle, especially for the stuff at the beginning of the race.
1: So, last question it may be a, a two or three parter, but this is a very important <laughs> question uh, for any photographer, and that is um, compensation for your work. And I know that she puts a uh, a watermark on all of her photos but of course there's not only in mushing but you know everybody that takes professional photos mm-hmm. you're always banging your head against the wall to make sure that you're not only getting proper credit but you're also potentially getting paid for this and i, I don't know if you know how she operates her business but what would you expect if you did this and this was your <laughs> this was your oh, bread God. and butter how would you if i was if i was running this race and i you know i had five or six spectacular photos of my team maybe out on the trail maybe finishing whatever first off how would i approach you to get these photos second off how am i supposed to give you proper credit and then third if you were to charge is that is that realistic? Or do people just think, Hey, that's me. That's my dog team. I want to use it on Facebook, whether you have a watermark or not. Can you break that down for us in concise uh, (laughs) language as you can?
2: Um, well, I know for Whitney, she has a package where I think the mushers for like $75 get three pictures from the race. Um, and then she has one for multiple races. And I think that that's brilliant. And that's something that I I suck at asking for money for my work. I I hate myself often because I don't charge what I should and I get that from the mushers themselves that it's like they want to compensate. But yeah, I mean, you know, you run the risk of people using your photos whenever you post them online. It doesn't matter that you have a watermark, it doesn't matter that it's actually your photo and yes you can take them to court for copyright whatever people are still going to do it because they think that whatever's online is free and i could go on a soapbox for that so what you basically are hoping as the photographer is that the the people that matter the ones that you're taking photographs of they will at least understand and compensate for you appropriately My guess is if they just use it, you know, share it on Facebook or even grab the picture and then use it as their profile picture, I'm guessing she's not too upset with that. It's just if they want print copies or, you know, promotional stuff, that's where you have to buy the print. Makes sense. Facebook really takes the quality out of the photo anyway, so you're not going to be able to blow it up too big. Um, With me, I typically, when I shot the Testamino 200... The race gave me a sponsorship credit, and then the mushers. I just went ahead and let them take their photo. You know, take their photos off of Facebook or download them. I'd email them to them. I probably should have done something like Whitney, but I, I was just especially starting out. I was just in awe of all of these people, and that they suddenly knew my name, um, and that was good enough for me. And. And then I got lectured from some of them, like Jody Bailey and Danny Seavey and Mitch Seavey. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's a live and learn type thing. But for most photographers, I don't know exactly how Jeff does it. I know that, um, you know, I Iditarod gets to use all of his stuff and he gets to sell his photos to whomever he wants to. He still retains the rights to all of those photos. And that's kind of how I saw it, too, was like, you know, the mushers can have it for free because I know how expensive mushing is. And most of the teams running this are not the big sponsors, sponsored mushers. Um, But if, you know, fans or anybody promotional wanted to use them, then I I have free reign to, to charge them.
1: And the, the correct way to share is not right-click on the photo, save it to your desktop, and then share it on your right. own page. The correct way to share is either go to her hers or yours or whomever mm-hmm. particular page and hit that share button, and that way it's sharing yeah. from the page. Or secondly, as you mentioned, uh, buy the photo and uh, get the rights to it or whatever. Give credit, however you're supposed to do that, whether it's on the website or Mm -hmm. your blog or whatever, but always give credit. And I think that that's probably the take-home lesson from this. And this is such good information. I'm glad we're able to share it (laughs) and and talk about it here on this race recap. So guys that are listening, you never know what you're going to hear on these race recaps. It's not just talking about who came in first, second, third, or fourth but hopefully a juicy nugget or two. And we're going to be around all mushing season. So stick with us. Hit that subscribe button and make sure you tell your friends about Mushing Radio. We will talk to you guys next time. Goodbye.
0: From Dog Works Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Robert Forto. Our producers are Michelle Forto, Alex Stein, and Tony Ryder. Our executive producer is Robert Forto. Created for DogWorks Radio and First Paw Media.